Refresh. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's your boy, The Muffin Man, coming back at you again with another episode of Refresh Podcast. I am incredibly excited to be here with you guys and being consistent um, two Mondays in a row. That is incredibly excited. I hope you're off to a great start so far as you're drinking your coffee and putting the kiddos on the bus. So without further ado, let's open up in prayer, and we're going to get this party started. Father, I just thank you so much for this day that you have made. Got another reason to celebrate, Lord, for life is a gift and it is not guaranteed. God, I pray that you would just anoint my lips. Let it not be by my words alone, but let it be you, God. Father, I pray that you would anoint our hearts and our lips to receive a word from you. I don't know why our lips are receiving a word, but let it prepare our hearts and our minds to receive understanding and revelation, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Super apologize about my goofiness. Uh, I totally messed that up, but it's okay. You know, Jesus still loves me, even though I I totally got those things messed up, right? So look, guys, I want to start this episode with a Facebook post that inspired today's episode. And it says this, it says, a salvation that requires no obedience or sacrifice isn't biblical. A true tragedy in this generation is a lazy salvation that requires nothing of the believer And sadly, though a lazy one, isn't one at all. And it says, hashtag, faith without works is dead. And that was posted by someone named Logan Brock. So I love this so much. And whenever I read that, I was like, ooh, I got to share that. And as I was going through my work day, um, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, man, this would be an amazing podcast episode. And it just kind of came to life. And so look, here it is. Salvation is deliverance from sin and its consequences, believed by Christians to be brought about by faith in Christ. And in fact, that's actually the definition straight out of the dictionary. And I love how it says there that salvation is deliverance from sin and its consequences. What is the consequence of sin? The consequence of sin is death. And we see it here in Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A wage is something that you've earned. And I want you to know, friend, that we have all earned death because of our sin. Because of our sin, we've earned death. Salvation requires obedience and sacrifice. Referencing back to that definition that it said that, you know, Uh, A false salvation, a false imagery of what salvation looks like um, is is one where the believer isn't held responsible in in obedience and sacrifice. Let's go back up to it. I want to see that one more time. A salvation that requires no obedience or sacrifice isn't biblical. And that is absolutely correct because um, once you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is Lord, You believe in your heart that he was resurrected from the dead and that he came back to life, that he ascended to heaven, that he sent power of Holy Spirit in his place. You believe that in your, you, with your mouth, you say, you know what, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I, procl- I pro- 
Dude, I can't even talk to you. What the heck? <laughs> I proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You say that with your mouth. And then you believe it in your heart that he was resurrected for you, that he, he went ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And we talked about that in uh, the last episode before the rejuvenate number three. But we had talked about that Jesus Christ is coming back for us and he went ahead of us to prepare a place for us, but he's coming back for us. We can have that hope. When you come to that place of salvation, salvation being the confession of your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you have been saved. Salvation comes upon you and now you can no longer live in the same way of your old life. In fact, Jesus says it himself in Mark 2.22 that no one puts on new wineskin. Dude, what the heck? I'm sorry, guys. I am like tongue-tied. Lord, I pray that you would just help me to be able to deliver this message, Lord. God, I pray that you would guide my words and guide my speech. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's let's try this again, guys. Jesus says in Mark 2.22, that no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and wine is lost and the skins as well. Well, Juan puts new wine into fresh wineskins. Here's the thing, guys. You cannot prepare to receive new life living the old life. If you're asking God for new life, new gifts, fresh wine, joy, or freedom, then you can't keep yourself in a place that will cancel out the fulfillment of those new servings of manna, the new things that you're praying and seeking and asking God to do in your life. You can't start to cancel those things out by bringing yourself to places that cause you anarchy in your life, places that are going to cause you to be bound up by sin, places that are going to uh, bring a perversion of mind to you. You can't do those things. You, you, re- salvation requires you to be obedient. And if the word of God says not to do something, listen. Don't question the instruction. Obey. That reminds me a lot of when I was a kid. You know, my parent would say, my, my, one of my mom or my dad would say, hey, don't do this. And I'd be like, why? Why can't I do this? You're just being mean to me. You don't want me to have fun. You don't love me. Why can't I do this? Like, this looks like fun. This looks awesome. And, I, and I'd and i push my limits. I'd, I'd push what was required of me because I wanted to have things my way. I wanted to have fun. And I felt like you're keeping me from having fun. And I feel like too many times people in this world, people in this life, they tend to get the same way. That here is the standard of living right here. Here is the holy standard that is required of you from God. And we tend to be like, but God, why can't I murder my neighbor they've earned it they earned my wrath they earned my anger i'm about to go and pop a cap in them are we gonna be like yo no man like why can't i have adultery why can't i have my neighbor's wife look how amazing she looks nah man like if if the bible said don't do it like we can't do it we gotta listen we can't push those limitations if the bible says it's wrong we gotta we gotta humble ourselves we gotta come to a place where we're saying no to ourselves because when we're saying yeah to god when we're saying yes to god we're saying no to ourselves salvation requires sacrifice the process of holiness isn't an overnight process It's an everyday decision, making the choice to say, no, I'm not going to do that today. 
It's unacceptable behavior that doesn't reflect the kingdom. It's unacceptable behavior that displeases my father. That when I disobey him, it makes him disappointed. I don't want to disappoint my father. I want to do what is pleasing in his sight. Because I remembered reading, I want to say it was in James that I was reading that. But um, it was talking about that whenever I do something that is, um, actually it's in First Peter, my bad. My bad. Please forgive your boy. But it was talking about that whenever I do something that is pleasing to him, that his face is there. That his eyes are on me. But, you know, the moment that I begin to do something that is displeasing to him, that he turns his face from me. And, you know, and that's the thing is that I don't want to come to a place that he's turning his face from me because I'm being disobedient. I, it says it right here that his ears attend the prayer of those who are righteous. And this is in First Peter 4.12. It says, For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't want to come to a place to where I'm doing what I want to do more than I'm doing what God wants me to do. And that causes him to turn his face from me. God, I, I want God's face to be turned towards me. That whenever Moses was on mountain with him and God's face was turned towards him, that he came down like he was glowing. I want the evidence that I've been spending time with God, not because the glow looks cool, but because the glow helps illuminate the darkness around you and it, and it attracts, the Holy Spirit attracts people to you and you're able to just share with them what God's doing in your life. Guys, we got to begin to say no to ourselves and say yes to God because unacceptable behavior doesn't reflect the kingdom. It's destructive to our lives. How do I know if something is right or wrong? You might be asking me that right now. You might be thinking that while hearing this. How do I know if something's right or wrong, Jason? It's, it just seems like the wrong thing. It just seems to be the right thing to do. And you know, and that's exactly what the world wants you to believe. That's exactly what sin wants you to believe, that what you're doing is pleasurable. And the fact the Bible says that, that sin is pleasurable, but it's only for a season. Sin is a lot, a lot, a lot of fun, but it doesn't last forever. The consequences are insane. And it, and it leaves you feeling high and dry. But use Jesus Christ. This is how you know something's right or wrong. Check this out. Use Jesus Christ as a measuring stick. In the 90s, they had this amazing phrase, this popular phrase, of say, uh, and it was saying, WWJV. Do you remember WWJV? Have you heard of that before? It stands for, what would Jesus do? And they use that phrase of accountability. What would Jesus do? And I encourage you to do the same thing, that if you're in a moment of struggle and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. Man, I wonder what Jesus would do. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus do this? And if he wouldn't, then you shouldn't either. In 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer, for the lust of men before the will of God. Christ looked sin in the face, and he defeated it. 
And God encourages us to do the same, to break free from the lust of men, which is things that we want to do. And I don't know if you know this, but lust is not satisfied. That lust will cause you to go to places to where you keep wanting, you keep wanting, you keep wanting, you keep wanting, you keep wanting. When you begin to lust after money, you're not going to have enough. You're going to keep wanting, keep wanting, and keep wanting. When you're lusting after women, um, just one woman will not be enough. You're going to want more and more and more and more. Or if you're lusting after um, drugs or alcohol or worldly possessions or prestige to where it's all about look at me and look how cool I am and and look how popular I am it's never going to be enough you're going to come to that place to what you think is your goal and because of that lust it's never going to be enough there's going to be a bigger and better goal so Christ looked these things in the face and he said no I'm not going to give in to that I'm going to set a standard that my family that those that are called into adoption with God can follow after and that they're going to be able to break free from the lust that is is driving their hearts to places of sin and they're going to be able to have freedom because of what I have done for them because I have taken the cross for them how do we do that how do we do what Christ did? How do we look those lusts in the face? How do we look those sins in the face and say, no, I'm not going to do that? The answer is Jesus Christ. Coming, uh, change comes from spending time with him. I encourage you to listen to more worship music. There was a time in my life where, if I'm being honest, I didn't listen to worship music actively. It's not that I had anything wrong with it. I absolutely loved worship music. But in my free time and in my moments of selection, I didn't listen to worship music. I listened to music that glorified God. I didn't listen to secular music. But I didn't listen to worship music either. But the moment that I had an encounter, a divine encounter, and a brother in the faith encouraged me, to start listening to more worship music, it began to set the atmosphere for Holy Spirit to move in my life. And I encourage you to do the same thing, that when you listen to worship music and you start worshiping God, that we see biblical evidence of worship beginning to change the atmosphere that Paul and Silas being in in jail and in prison that they begin to worship and their worship began to set, change the atmosphere that they were being set free from God himself literally set free from prison that their worship was guys if you're imprisoned worship your way out man listening to worship music sets the atmosphere for Holy Spirit to move I also encourage you to get a journal and write down thoughts in scripture and quotes and things that God's speaking to your heart and, and, and really cool things that God's doing in your life and, and divine encounters. And I, I promise you that if you do that and you save it and you reread it in a few years, man, it is so powerful. And I've actually done that. There was a time where I was journaling um, like two or three or four years ago and um, a present day self probably about two years ago was struggling and I grabbed one of my old journals and I'm reading through it and I ended up finding a note that my past self left for one of my more current present selves about hey man I know you might be struggling but look remember this boom 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 and it ministered to my heart so much 
that my past self ministered to my present self so much because of that journal. So I encourage you to journal and write down what Jesus is doing in your life and save it and reflect on it in a few years to come that you will see just how powerful and, and the change that has taken place in your life from, from how you are now to how you might grow in the years and in the months and in the days to come. There was, and, and you know, prayer. Prayer is a biggie that you got to spend time in prayer. How are you going to sustain if you don't spend time in prayer? And man, I am still working on this one that, you know, um, I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to get better at my prayer life. I love how Smith Wigglesworth, a great brother in the faith that, you know, uh, years and years back, he had said, um, you know, he doesn't pray for hours at a time, but there's never an hour that goes by that he's not praying. And man, like I can so relate to that, that that's how I am, that, you know, there's moments and in, in, in hours of, of every day where I'm like, God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for what you've created. God, look how awesome this is. God, you're so good to me. And you're reflecting on his greatness. Guys, that's when we open up our hearts to places of change. There was never a moment of time that Jesus Christ didn't take time to withdraw from his everyday life to spend time in prayer with the Father. See, here's the thing, guys. You can't meet Jesus Christ in close proximity and leave the same way you've met him. And we see this time and time and time and time and time again in the gospel that there was a blind man in John 9 that wasn't the same again when he met Jesus. This man was blind since his birth and it wasn't because of his sins or the sins of his parents but he was blind that he can be healed, that he can receive sight, that the glory of God can be shown in the presence of those that didn't believe so that they can come to a place of salvation. We see it again in Matthew 14 that 5,000 lives were never the same again as they met a gracious shepherd that fed sheep that weren't his, that he began to have compassion on them, that he took a lunch that a little boy had brought to the table, that he began to pray, and then he thanked the Father, and then he broke it, and he fed these 5,000 people and it was for the glory of God that those there that may have not believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that they had came to a place of salvation that day because they were met where they were and they needed something and he mapped them with that need and their lives were changed forever. In Mark 2, there was a man who couldn't walk. His friends in fact had to carry him on a mat where Jesus was, that it was such a crowded environment that they had to cut a hole through the roof to get him to Jesus. He was healed and forgiven, and he left carrying his mat under his arm. And that was for the glory of God to be shown to those in that home, that those that may have not believed, that those that may have never came to a place of salvation, they could be saved. Twelve men were called to live lives of servanthood, following Jesus around every day, watching these signs happen, watching these miracles take place, and watching Jesus have compassion on those who were willing to invite him, who were willing to give him time, who were willing to come to a place where they're like, Jesus, look, like I'm desperate. Like I've heard all the power. I've heard of all the things that have followed you. And I believe that you were sent from heaven. And and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that you can do something for me. And their lives were changed more and more daily 
But you know what? I want you to know something. Change requires daily maintenance. You want to know how I know that? Here's how I know that. Because Judas had the best teacher ever and he missed a mark. That Judas came to a place where his life was changed, just as the other 12 were, that he was called into servanthood, just like the other 12, that he had the same teacher, that he heard the same words spoken, that he saw the same miracles being taken place. But you know what? Judas didn't have that daily, he didn't take care of that change on the daily. He didn't take care of that daily maintenance. He grew bitter. He grew envious. We talked about earlier lust, that lust that was unsatisfiable for money. And he sold Jesus out. You can have Jesus Christ in your life, but if you're not striving towards holiness, and if you don't even think that change is important post-salvation, then friend, you seem to have wasted time in imposter salvation. And that's why people are quick to say, God doesn't exist. You can't believe the Bible because it's been translated too many times. Because following after the kingdom of God is like a mirror. It reflects us and it shows us parts of our hearts that are carrying things that are deceitfully wicked. People spend time following these alternatives to God like Muhammad and, and Buddha and, and all of these other gods, the, the Korma and, and this you know, all of these imposter gods because those people and those things, they make them feel better about who they are instead of having things that challenges them to change. People don't want to change. They fall for the common motto, the popular trending motto. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Maybe you've even said this before. I'm pretty sure I've even said this before. Come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. I've said it too. But you know what I've found out recently? I don't see that in the Bible. Come as you are. And they use this phrase, come as you are. And, and, and they use this as an excuse to live actively in sin. But Isaiah 118 says, come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Friend, don't buy the lie that you can pray a prayer, accept Jesus into your life, and go back into your everyday life like nothing new has happened to you. Come on now, let's settle this. I love that. I love that part of the phrase. It's not the same thing as, hey, come as you are. But it's more like, hey, I see that you're dirty. Hey, I see that you don't have it all together. Hey, I see that you're trying, but you're sinning. Hey, I see that you're held captive from your sin. Hey, I see you're addicted to things in your life. But guess what? It doesn't have to be like that. Come on, let's make things right. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white like snow. Although your sin has stained your garments, I will remove your stains. You don't have to be reminded of your failure. That's what God wants to do for you today, friend. How in the world could we think that change isn't required in this life of Christ? Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me, just as I am also of Christ. Be like Christ. Become like Christ. But each one of those people who met Jesus that we talked about in those personal moments, they were changed forever, man. 
They didn't go back in and say, oh, you know, I've been healed, but you know what? I'm just not feeling healed today, so I think I'll just be blind today. Or, you know what, man? I'm just not feeling it, so I don't think I'm going to walk today. No, I'd imagine that the guy that couldn't walk ever again, he was dancing around. And the people that knew him and knew him personally and saw that he was dancing was like, whoa, that's not normal. We've known that guy for a very long time. That the Sanhedrin was in an uproar when the man that was blind from birth was healed and they were like how did this happen how did this happen and he's like why do you need jesus to do something for you do guys because being like me being like yourself operating in your own power means you're gonna mess up it means that you're gonna become a slave of sin it means giving into your own lustful desires guys your hearts are deceitfully wicked But Jesus is the answer. And change is required. But look, it's not easy. I'm not here lying to you. I'm not going to tell you that change is easy. It's hard, man. It is hard to change. You don't, you know, if you're like me, you don't like being told that you're wrong. But being told that you're wrong and being corrected is healthy and necessary for this life with Christ. And when you read the word of God and it points out something you're doing is wrong. If your pastor tells you you're doing something that is wrong, you humble yourself and you listen. Don't throw a fit don't get offended struggle is real addiction is real bad days happen not every day is beautiful but you know what so is jesus jesus is real and the power that he entrusts to you that's real also guys change is required don't be deceived friend change is required let's pray Father, I just thank you so much for this word today. God, I thank you that when we come into contact with you, that when we invite you into our lives, that we are never the same again. God, that we were bound up in our sins and our trespasses with a way that we can never, ever pay back. But God, you are so gracious. God, you loved us so much that you made a way. That when we believe, that when we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and we believe in our hearts that you died for us, but you are resurrected. God, that salvation comes upon our life and, and the moment of salvation, God, that change is required. Lord, help us every day during this process of changing. Lord, help us to become more and more and more like you. Transform from glory to glory into the image of God to become an imitator of Jesus. God, I pray that on those days when it is so hard, on those days when it is not easy, God, and when it's on those days when we feel like we're tempted each and every way that we turn around, God, that we can declare in those moments of temptation, you know what? Jesus looks in in the face and said, no, I'm not going to give in. No, I'm not going to do that. God, that we can spend time in word and time in prayer and in time in your presence, God. And that will give us the source of strength that we need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Because operating in my own power, I my heart is deceitfully wicked and I can't do this without you. God, I pray that this word would be something that we would remember, Lord, that change is required. Lord, help us to not buy out to that lie. And God, if there's any brothers or sisters that we know that are bound up by that lie, that 
they can come as they are, that they can accept Jesus, that they don't have to change a single thing about themselves, but that they can keep on living the life that they're living? No, that is wrong, God. And I pray that whoever is bound up by that truth, Lord, that there would be somebody that would be sent across their way to share with them the truth that they would not be deceived any longer. God, I thank you so much for this revelation. And God, we give you the highest praise because you are so, so good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us first. And you are truly worthy of it all. Father, we give you the highest praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, this has been your boy, the Muffin Man, with another episode of Refresh Podcast, where Christ goes before so we can bring you another refreshing word. Hey, look, guys, I want to encourage you just once more if I haven't done it enough, and, and if you haven't digested it by now, change is required and don't let anybody tell you anything differently that each and every day you work hard as you can to become more and more and more like jesus christ guys i love you so much i cannot wait to be back with you again for another episode this is your boy the muffin man take it easy don't be cheesy have a good day